You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've missed you. Holly, Holly's missed you. Oh, come on now. <laughs> We have missed yeah, you. You're playing cricket. You're playing cricket today, Bailey. I don't know how that's going to go because it looks absolutely shocking outside. Yeah, not sure that we're going to get a ball going at all today, Holly. But um, I guess that's good news for some and bad news for others. Depends how you mm. look at it. But uh, yeah, yeah, Premier Cricket has been carrying on throughout the summer, and we're getting to the pointy end of things now. Mm, absolutely. But uh, Bailey, you've got a few things on your list that you need to talk to us about. Let's start. We, are, we were saying before that this, the word stadiums become, I guess, a bit of a dirty word, sort of like COVID, because we all just shudder when we hear the, the stadium renovations and what the hell is going on. But give us an update, mate. We need to hear it. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, um, it's become a bit of a buzzword now, stadium, hasn't it? And then it really is the debate that's been raging on for some months now. And there's no doubt there would have been some discussion of it at National Cabinet this week uh, between mm. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and our man, our Premier, Jerry Rockliffe. Um, well, nationally and locally speaking, there's been a great deal of noise about the stadium since our last show. The concept itself really is hotly contested with those on both sides of the political spectrum really banging the drum. I feel like it's each and every day as a journal that you're getting a media release from uh, one interest group or one side of politics uh, wanting to come out and speak about the stadium because it is so topical. The initial projected uh, cost of the stadium has remained the same since we last spoke, but with, with all these ventures, it's pretty feasible that that's going to blow out over time. Tourism leaders across the state, well, they're, they're projecting and they're expecting some greater clarity around a time frame for the stadium, as well as a decision from the AFL just firming up where Tasmania currently sits in relation to that provisional 19th licence. That decision, mm. they say they're expecting in around August. Oh, now, we've heard that before. Other... How many times have we heard that, Bailey? If I had to take a shot for every Last time we've August. heard that. <laughs> Last August. I would be absolutely <laughs> legless because I'm be, sick yeah. of it. Yeah, like these things just get pushed back and back as, as time goes on. Um, yeah. Another really important aspect here that, that has been unpacked somewhat is the division between state and federal labour. Uh, it's been a core element of the discussion with state Labor down here very much against the proposal. But it is important to emphasise that they're, they're not against the team. They're just yeah. against the notion of having to put the bill in the effect of the $375 million price tag that comes with it for the stadium. The federal mm -hmm. government's dialogue is proving a little bit more supportive with, uh, with Albo labelling the project as an urban redevelopment project, in fact, emphasising that it should be known as an urban redevelopment project rather than a stadium. So he's just really trying to bring to light all the other core aspects. And it's sort of similar dialogue to what you hear from the state government who are calling it a sports, arts and entertainment precinct. Mm. There's a lot of dialogue around the potential to, to bring in other sports, bring in concerts and things like that. So they're the two mm. sides of the coin. Uh, and then at a state level from the government, they're rather bullish about the whole project and referring... Uh, like I said, to the, to the stadium as the sports, art and entertainment precinct. They say that it's going to provide that long-term benefit and they, they keep using the phrase, now is the time. 
Um, what won't have done them any favours is the recently published uh, cost-benefit analysis from MI Global Logistics. That found a best-case scenario economic loss of $132 million. Uh, and then in the first 20 years of the stadium, a net loss of $300 million for the project. Um, mm. Some economists have come out and said, and that's a little bit, that the benefit side of things is a little bit conservative and that, that doesn't really paint a true picture. But nonetheless, it was, a, I believe, a government-commissioned cost-benefit analysis that won't have done uh, the support any favours. One thing is for sure, uh, this is pretty interesting, Gil McLaughlin will be coming down to Tasmania on the 23rd of February. He's going to speak with tourism okay. leaders at the Tourism Industry Council uh, conference on the waterfront at Princess Wharf 1. So uh, the tourism leaders say that'll be a good opportunity to gain some clarity about how close we are. But like you say, Holly, it does feel like the can is just getting kicked further and further down the road. Mm. It does feel a little bit that way, Bailey. And, you know, we hear like, Gil's coming back and the timeline's this and it's just sort of like, oh. <laughs> isn't it? Is that your mood too? You're a bit like... Is every, yeah, I think yeah. that's everyone's mood. Um, he's taking up a great deal of the political discourse at the moment when um, mm. there's a lot of other important issues that are sort of being pushed to the back room at the expense of constant dialogue about an issue that is relentlessly being pushed further and further away and the dialogue from the AFL almost is becoming more and more inconsistent. Now, one of the, the key pieces, uh, if you like, um, in the negotiations between the state government and the AFL was the future of the, of the Roos and the Hawks in Tasmania. Mm. It was a key bargaining chip with Rocky at one point really coming out strongly and, um, in essence, uh, using for the team and threatening, if you like, to take away Tasmania as a home for the Roos and the Hawks. So with, with the news that the provisional licence has been secured, there's been another provisional tag given, if you like. Um, so if the, if the licence does continue, uh, the Premier and the State Government, well, they've welcomed back uh, Hawthorne, or welcomed, extended the stay of Hawthorne in Tasmania for another two years until 2025. So Jesus, that's deal, which, that. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good news for, for Hawks fans down here. Um, that means that they'll feature in four round games and one pre-season game each year of the deal. And then there's mm. some more good news uh, for Collingwood fans on the back of that. With uh, Shortly after that announcement, it came to light that, that the Pies will be playing a pre-season game down here in Tassie for the first time in seven years. So that's Thursday, the 23rd of February in Launceston. So... Pretty good news for Pies fans who've been uh, neglected with viewership and, and neglected by the AFL in terms of getting their team down here. So, yeah, a little over, I guess, two weeks now, two or three weeks now until the Pies will be back in Tassie. Mm. And Bales, just moving uh, slightly uh, more towards uh, the water. We're, we're, we're inland at the moment. Let's get waterside. There's, uh, there's a huge Ironman tournament taking place in Tasmania, the, the, the first ever, I believe. What, what, are you, what are you hearing about that? Yeah, that's right, James. It's the first ever Ironman. It's the 70.3, which is the half Ironman, and that kicks off tomorrow morning at 6.25. So you're right. If you, look at, if you looked at Princess Wolf 1 and if you, looked at the, if you looked at the waterfront, it's just about unrecognisable. So really exciting for Tasmania to have its own Ironman. It really is a, a global event. Across the, the varying fields, there's 1,200 athletes registered uh, and they're from 30 different countries. So uh, mm. how as it was explained to me is the half Ironman as opposed to the full Ironman is it's a 1.9-kilometre swim, 
It's a 90-kilometre bike ride, and then it's a half marathon. So the course itself, it features a number of really unique features in Tassie that we haven't seen in other Ironman events in the Oceana category. Um, the first of those is a jump off the Brook Street Pier to get the mm. swim leg going. There's not too many jump starts in Ironman, I'm, I'm reliably told. <laughs> um, the, the athletes, they, um, they then transition at Princess Wharf 1, which in itself is something that's never been done um, in Ironman Oceana, which is an indoor transition. So according to the event director, that's a bit of a game changer um, in that they won't have to bear the conditions while they're, they're getting changed out of their swimsuit and whacking their bike cleats on. Um, yep. And then they're out onto Castro Esplanade for that 90-kilometre ride. So that takes them pretty far and wide past the Queen's Domain to the Bowen Bridge and back, effectively. The Bowen Bridge, notably, is closed for the event. Um, they head back towards the city. They run that 21.1-kilometre that run, the half marathon, which um, traverses the waterfront. Uh, and then the athletes will run to that famous uh, red carpet to the finish line. I'm I'm puffed. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I I actually think if you read that again, uh, I'll lose a thousand calories. I'll oh be I'll God. be in deficit. Such will be yeah. the extent How you of you go? that. That's it. That that is an it's unbelievable on, amount ama- of. They're amazing athletes. Extraordinary yeah. athletes. Are there are there greater athletes out there? Do you think? Um, Bailey, it's not a bad debate. You know, cricketers cop a bit of stick. You can play cricket, be a bit fat, drink some beers, eat pies, whatever. Footy Don't players, foot, footy players, super fit. Iron Man, are they are they the pinnacle of, of athletic uh, greatness around the world? Up there, James. Yeah, I think they've definitely got cricketers covered. If you took a sample size of 30 cricketers and the sample size of 30 Iron Man competitors and compared the rigs, it would be quite obvious to see who comes out in front. Um, we actually talked to two of the, the really fit-looking Ironman competitors yesterday. That was Jake Burtwistle. He's a local boy from Lonnie. You used to uh, manage Jake. There you go. Fun fact. Small world. Yep. Legend. And also uh, Ellie Salthouse. So, yeah, Jake, as you'd know, Holly, he's a former Olympian. Mm. He's a Commonwealth Games rep, and um, he's yep. tipped as one of the hot favourites. But he's never actually competed uh, at an Ironman 70.3, so double mm. the normal distance he's used to. So that'll be... An interesting one, but geez, yeah, I think they are the pinnacle of, of elite athletes. Um, and, question, and it's pretty exciting. Question to the both of you What if we put a cricket team, a current cricket team, then the um, Ironman, top Ironman competitors for tomorrow, and then we put Michael Clark and Carl Stefanovic? Where do you think <laughs> we would, we, where would we stack up in terms of well, Rigatoni? I want us to line up in that know, Noosa Caravan that is, Park. Listen, Tolly, I don't know if we'd have an Ironman event, a cricket match or a boxing match on our hands, but um, it'd be an interesting spectacle. All, all we need to make sure is that there is a there is medical um, assistance oh, close by. Oh, wow. That was, uh, for, that was straight out of Houses, that scene, for wasn't some it? Ha- <laughs> for some hamstring <laughs> reconstruction. Now, Bales, Holly's gone a little silly there, which it. is terrific. But, Sorry, uh, but give us uh, news at nine. So give us a, a quick Premier League wrap-up. What, what are we seeing this weekend? Um, how are we hunting the finals? Yeah, mate, of course. Um, <laughs> so it's Saturday, Saturday, Sunday action in first grade. I believe there's four rounds leading into the semis and leading into the to the big dance, which, of course, is a three-day contest. Um so there's also a Kookaburra Cup final that comes somewhere in between that. I believe that's this Monday on Regatta Day 
That's between Lindisfarne and North Hobart. And that's been scheduled to play at Lindisfarne Oval. Um, so that's, that's another... I believe that's been rescheduled, actually. So that's the 19th of February now. So it's been pushed back a week. So that's the Cooker Cup final. There's four more grade fixtures, four more first-grade fixtures until we're into finals action. Uni takes on South Hobart at home today. It'll be Lindisfarne versus Newtown. Great Northern will host the Demons. And over at KG5, it'll be Glenorchy taking on Kingborough. It looks like we're going to have pretty limited action here on day one. Well, I guess we're over an hour away from getting into the warm-ups and having a look at what the pitches are looking like. But it's very foreseeable that it could be a one-day contest squeezed onto the Sunday. Mm, very much could be, Bailey. But... As always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on on the show each week. And, um, mate, it's just so nice to have you back. So nice to hear your voice. We've missed you. Well, I've missed you. Jeevesy says he hasn't, but he has really. Absolutely have. You're a star, mate. Thanks to the both of you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Bailey. Good luck today, and we'll uh, we'll chat to you next week. We've got to go to the news now. We'll be back on the other side of this.